0: to episode 41, chapter 3
1: of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation
0: with Pastor Jay Kim about his book, Analog Church. Jay Kim is a graduate of Fuller Seminary and serves on staff at Vintage Faith Church in Silicon Valley, overseeing leadership and teaching. He's on the leadership team at The Regeneration Project and also co-hosts The Regeneration Podcast. His work has been featured in Christianity Today, The Gospel Coalition, and Relevant Magazine. He and his wife Jenny live in California with
1: their two kids. Why do you go to church? Are you looking for something specific like a deeper life in Christ, or a good environment for your kids. As difficult as it might be to hear, both of these reasons are rooted in a consumeristic mindset. The focus is on what the church can do for you. Or maybe you haven't given it much thought at all. Perhaps going to church is simply ingrained in your cultural identity, and it has become part of your normal rhythm of life. Both of these approaches miss out on the purpose of gathering together as the body of Christ. That's why Jay Kim explains in this chapter why we need to be intentional about creating analog communities. This approach to church challenges us to be active participants in the community rather than passive partakers. Part two, you talk about community, and and so yeah. um, this is where the uh, the rubber meets the road as far as what you just said. We are in community with people who are often not like us, and and that is where um, the Holy Spirit is able to reveal to us things about ourselves we didn't know before, <laughs> and, yeah. and and we are. So I've I've given this quote several times on the podcast now, but it is one of my favorite quotes that demonstrates community, and it was from an Amish. Uh, an Amish writer who said, or a Mennonite, you know, anyway, same thing, <laughs> <laughs> not to them, but hopefully they're not listening. Um, um, a Mennonite writer who said, um, community is the place where the person you hate the most always is. And hmm. when he dies, someone else worse takes their place. <laughs> <laughs> and again, just, yeah. to, just to emphasize that community, the, the, this idea is non, uh, it's, it's non-optional. Like it's part hmm. of what we are created to do and to be in. And so we have to learn how to wrestle and, and struggle with that. Um, yeah. One of the things, though, that you pointed out that I want to ask just what your insights are. Um, you talk about there's a 2017 Pew Research uh, or survey that came out of surveying why people go to church. And this caught me by surprise too when I was reading it. Um, it, The the top three answers were uh, to become closer to God so children will have a moral foundation and to uh, make them a better person. Um, But I didn't really realize it until you pointed it out. Nobody actually said to participate in the life of the community. right? And it was like, Oops. (laughs) Oops. <laughs> oh, man. So where have we gone wrong with this thing? Why is that thing? Why is that not even on uh, like why isn't why wasn't that on my radar? And and I wholeheartedly agree with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it in some ways it's connected to um, what we were talking about a little earlier in the conversation. I think for most people, because they see most of their lives and most of the the thing, the stuff in their life as, um, uh, commodities to be pursued, uh, or, or, um, sold off or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to see the church as the same. So, you know, if we see the church as just another thing, another product, then of course we have to ask the question, how does it benefit me in my life and me and my loved ones or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know? and i think the the survey sort of bears that out right that when most americans think about the church whether they know it or not and they probably wouldn't say this um, but deep down inside i think for most americans they see the church as another product um, that they have to make a decision on is that product worth my time and if it is worth my time what does that mean well Mm -hmm. it means that it's beneficial to my life in these particular ways. It gives me some, I'm lacking some hope. The church is a place where I can go to get some hope. Great, I'll go, you know? I don't know how to give my kids a moral foundation. Well, it seems like the church is pretty good at that. Great. I'll go and maybe I'll tithe a little. Maybe I won't because they don't really force me to. It's great. I can get it for free, you know, and (laughs) and my kids will get what they need. It's like it's a product, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. I'm hopeful that the church does do that for kids and inspires people with hope. Absolutely. But the church, like we said earlier, is not primarily that. It's not a product that is designed to to give you stuff you need or want for your life to sort of, you know, shape a, a wildly efficient and wonderful life for yourself. That is not what the church is. The church is the body of Christ, the gathered people of God who gather not because of our likeness, but in spite of our differences, mm. who gather um as uh, as the theologian writer scott mcknight calls it as a fellowship of difference and he mm-hmm. doesn't mean difference like the differences we have he means like different plural a bunch of difference you know people mm-hmm. who are wildly different from each other and and in in that very act of gathering in spite of our differences Um, That is that I think that is one of the key mechanisms and realities that God uses and the spirit of God uses to shape us into the people of God that that he's always called us to be. This is why Jesus shortly before his arrest and crucifixion, he prays to God, the father, you know, I pray that they and by they he means like everyone who will come to know him through the church, the work of his followers, his disciples. He says, I pray that they may be one as uh, you you and I are one you know as God the Father and Jesus the Son are one hit Jesus' prayers that we would be one in that way which is like so it's so incredibly one you know mm-hmm. and he says later in the prayer that um, by our unity in our oneness then the world the entire world will then know that God sent Jesus. Um, and that he loves us and that he loves them as well. So, you know, the very fact that Christians continue to gather and become family in spite of our differences is by design, God Mm -hmm. uses that reality to express his love to the world and to captivate the imagination of a world that increasingly so in the digital age is like, why would I ever spend time with anybody that I don't like? I could just, you know, with a swipe uh of my screen or a push of a button, I could like totally unfriend them or block them or whatever, you know. Yeah. That's the world we live in and it gives us as followers of Jesus an opportunity to paint a totally countercultural, counterintuitive vision for what it means to be a community in our in our day and age.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you're right on that the really the digital culture and the the, the immediate, I have to have it now, the impatient culture has allowed us to, well, and really just the, the invention of cars and being able to travel further yeah. distances in, in a short amount of time means that we have more options. And so mm-hmm. our community then becomes much more of a choice than it used to be in the past. That's and right. And so if yeah. we don't like one church, so we can go five miles down the road and, and hit up the next one and only it's only going to cost us five minutes. yep Yep. And yeah. so it's with with those kind of choices i think we naturally want to gravitate toward people who are very similar to us where we have the least amount of conflict where we have the least amount of differences and wherever that place is we end up calling that home which mm. i think just further reinforces what you're saying we have this consumerism mentality where we're looking for the place where we're going where we're going to be happiest rather mm-hmm. than being limited to, like what you were saying, Chris, the community where the person that we despise the most is always there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get mm-hmm. away from that one person who's always staring at you from across the other side of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so do you think, I have to ask this question then, do you think there is a place for um, looking for the right church for you and your family then? I mean, oh,
2: man. we'll go yeah. ahead
1: and say church hopping is definitely <laughs> something we, you know, shouldn't encourage and needs yeah. to get away from. But uh, what role does that looking for the right church play then?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, an important question. I don't really delve into that too much in the book, but I have some thoughts, you know, and for for the sake of not – um having this conversation be four hours long (laughs) I'm sure we can talk about that for a long time. I guess the most concise way I could encourage maybe people who are listening who are in that season, I would just say um, rather than looking for a church that um, suits you or fits you, I would say maybe the best way to approach it is to um, seek a church toward which you you sense you are called. Mm. Um, I, I don't think we think of churches that way, you know. Yeah. You move into a new town and you, you start looking on Yelp or whatever for a church. And immediately what you do is you go to the church's website and you look up sort of their leadership team. And you ask the question, do they kind of look like me and seem like me and dress like me and whatever. And Mm -hmm. then you look around the photos and find them on Instagram. You're like, oh yeah, that kind of is my vibe or whatever. That's not really about calling. That's just about, you know, fit. It's about comfort. Mm -hmm. It's about like, buying a pair of pants. You know, I just mm-hmm. said fit and comfort. Th- those are the words we think of when it comes to pants, you know, does it fit right? Is it it's comfortable? <laughs> whatever. And church is not that, you know, yeah. church is not that I think ch- church, we we should be asking the question, you know, if you move to a new town or whatever, you know, uh, Lord, I'm here and I want to, I want to embed myself and participate in the life of, um, the body of Christ. Um, where might you be calling me? So I'm going to do what I can do, which is to look online and find places and start visiting. And as I do, Lord, I have my own preferences and the type of music I like and don't like and the sorts of people I want to be around and, and not, but primarily by your spirit, would you guide and lead me toward whichever church community you are calling me mm. to be a part of? I think that shift can be really helpful. One, just even psychologically removing that tendency in us to be consumers mm-hmm. and, and instead seek the calling of God on our lives. But two, it makes us think differently about the community we're going to, because even if the people there don't look like you and you don't like the music and the preaching is boring or whatever, you're open because you're not basing your decision on that, on those metrics. Did you like it or not? You're basing it on, Lord, are you calling me here? And if you mm-hmm. are, then I'm in, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to participate in the life of this community. So there you go. That's one thought. Now, that
1: is start. that is very well said. Thank you for that. That's a great articulation. And I also think that should probably then like once we're in our church communities, that should probably be our mindset. Anytime we're getting ready to go to our Sunday gatherings, is we yeah, should probably yeah. pray that same prayer: Is God, yeah. you know, what are you calling me to today? How can I serve others, and yeah. um, uh, no, how can I participate? Can I get out of this, or what do you contribute? want to do in me today? Yeah, anything like that. I mean, that. there might be times, you know, that God is going to do that to you, but yeah. it but does. Find, it changes I find the mindset. He does that though,
0: as you go about serving other people? That's right. As you're hmm. as you're doing those things out of your calling, out of your purpose. He takes care of the, the work inside you
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. on his on his own time. And really, I mean, this sounds weird to say, but you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, Because the you body of Christ around you is taking care of you. Yeah,
1: you serving through yeah. your weakness, he's going to use that and make it a strength. And, yeah. and you're going to be strengthened through it. Um, Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the big thing that's going on right now in the world, which is coronavirus, yeah. COVID-19. Yes. We're talking about community shopping around for our churches right now, pretty much every church in America has stopped having service and is going yep. to an online, um, live streaming situation yeah. of some sort. Um, yep. okay. So that's, you know, super unfortunate that you have a book about analog church coming out amidst <laughs> that, but I think it could or actually fortunate. be actually, or fortunate. I'm, exactly. I'm, I think it could be really, exotic. really important. Um, yeah. so what are you, what are your thoughts on this and, and this, this necessary trend that's happening right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally, man. That's a great question. Uh, that's the reality of our church. Now we just got, uh, you know, County mandated. Actually, we made the decision to shut down, um, uh, a few hours before the county mandated it, not because we knew it was coming, but because we felt like it was the wise and responsible thing to do. So when the county a few hours later came in and said, we're, we're mandating this, uh, we were like, oh, we were ahead of the curve, and yeah. we're happy about that. Yeah, what's driving us, as is true for most churches I know and most churches across the country right now, beautifully so, I think, is um, you know to seek the common good out of driven by love of neighbor, and it's really beautiful to me, you know, mm-hmm. to see so many church leaders. Um, representing such a wide variety of, of Christian traditions and denominations and such all rallying around this, you know, Mm -hmm. this is about the common good, promoting the common good and, um, you know, doing it out of a love for neighbor. This is what Christian witness looks like. You know, yesterday I read this, um, New York Times article by Esau Macaulay, who is a writer and a professor at Wheaton College. And he says that in this time during um, COVID-19, it, it is our absence rather than our presence that will, be, that will be the shape of faithfulness for the Christian church in this time. And uh, I love that, you know? And so while that's really difficult... Uh, Um, it's the right thing to do. So our church has gone online, really fascinating. The last Sunday gathering we had in person two weeks ago, because my book is coming out, I taught on analog church. And then the very next Sunday, we're like, also, we're going totally digital for a while. (laughs) So, uh, it's been funny. Um, but you know, I've also, I'll, I'll readily admit it's been awesome to be able to leverage online technologies to at least stay connected in ways that, Definitely fall short of embodied presence, mm-hmm. but keep us connected um, in ways that without these technologies we'd be even more apart. Yeah. So that's been helpful. And um, you know, I wrote, I wrote an article for for a website uh, about a week ago or something, and in it I said I said this: this, is, this has been our posture as a church. We have to teach our people. That our leveraging of online and digital platforms to stay somewhat connected in this time apart. It is a temporary compromise, not an ongoing convenience. Mm. And so we've been saying that as a mantra over and over again. And actually, really beautifully, what we've seen in our church and what I'm seeing—I could be wrong, but what I seem to be seeing across the country, not just with churches, but definitely in churches. Is that this forced separation physically is driving a deeper sense of awareness within us that actually what we really need is to be with one another. Mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful that when this finds its resolution, that um church communities all across the country are gonna be like clamoring to be together. Yeah. yeah. In real time, real space. And um so in some ways, it's like such a unique thing. We have to work for the common good out of love for neighbor. But once this is done, uh, I'm already beginning to see the seeds of a really beautiful future where people begin to realize, like, uh, I did not realize how deeply I would miss being with my church in real time, in real space until I was forced yeah. to be a part.
1: You know what it reminds yeah. me? It reminds me of this Lent season that we're in right now where, yeah. you know, we, we fast, we give up so that when we then celebrate the resurrection and and you know it's, it's even sweeter it's that feasting yeah. and so like that's that perfect. that's what we're going through now and so yeah. I think I think you're right and I never I didn't think about it from that perspective but man this can really just be an opportunity to stoke the fires and 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 uh and get us ready for this thing well, man like when we're able should... to get back together and celebrate
0: yeah one of the things that's really encouraging to me is I see um'm part of several uh ministers groups on Facebook and a lot of them they're, they're honestly wrestling with this, trying to find ways to stay connected, to keep this analog connection mm-hmm. with people. And uh, yeah. I think one of the the most exciting things I've seen are the churches that are trying to break their congregations up into small groups who mm-hmm. can meet and stay under the the uh, the legal limit of yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the gathering is for whatever right. uh, yeah. location they're at, uh, just so that they can maintain that connection. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to find ways to... Uh, get people into uh, private Facebook groups together, get people into texting groups together, get people on video conferencing together. And they're trying to to honestly wrestle with this. And to me, that's exciting. It's the the ones who don't struggle with this transition that I think uh, bother me the most. Well, it's taking us off
1: of autopilot. Yeah. It's really causing us to be like intentionally engaged with the way the world is, is changing right now. And again, to your point, Jay, I love that, that this is actually a witness of the church Mm. to, to cancel services right now for the common good. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, even though Mm -hmm. we're not able to be together, uh, it's, it is for the benefit of everyone why we're doing what we're doing. And so, um, yeah, I think that is such an important thing that we, we grasp and, uh, and continue to work towards that, no matter matter what the the situation or the season is for our churches. We say it over
0: and over again, as disciples, we have to walk with other people. This is a non-negotiable part of what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We have to look at church, at the gospel, as an invitation to serve others in community. We get so worried about making sure our own spiritual needs are met, but we forget that's why the body of Christ exists in the first place. Our calling is to serve others in that body, and in return, not be worried about our own well-being. With that in mind though, how do we do that when the situation prohibits us from being with a group of people? I think the answer lies in looking at church the way Jay suggests. Our calling is to serve others, And if that means refraining for a time from gathering together in person, maybe that's the best thing we as the church can do. In the meantime, I want to challenge you to find a way to serve others digitally in a way that doesn't abandon relationships. This could be talking on the phone, having a video conference, or talking on Skype. But find some way to serve another person today, even when the situation prevents you from being physically present with them.
1: and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jay's work, check out JKimThinks.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jay talks about the value of reading scripture together in person. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.